Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Normally, we read our sermon lesson before the sermon, but this morning, we are walking our way through, yes, the entire chapter of Daniel chapter 6, so we are going to read Daniel chapter 6 throughout our sermon. Would you please join me in prayer? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts, may they be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, a rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Throughout the entire history of humankind, there really and truly are only two significant events. The first is Jesus coming into the world to save humankind. His death, his resurrection, and his glorious ascension. The second, the second significant event It is Christ coming back again to take us to be with him forever in heaven. What's left? Well, right now for us, it's the time in between. And for Christians, the the time in between is a time that is filled with tension. Why? Well, because we know Christ came the first time and he was victorious, you and I have perfection in God's sight. We have peace with God, peace on earth and peace with God. But there's tension because we don't always enjoy that peace, do we? We don't don't always experience perfection. and, And really and truly, we won't until Christ comes again. We won't know that peace and that perfection. So there's this time in between And that's what our next worship series will be examining. We'll be looking to God's word and see what he says about that time in between and how we as Christians are to live during that time. I said there was two real significant events in, in terms of world history. But if there was a third, what would you say that was? Would you say it was the United States Declaration of Independence? Or maybe, would you say it's World War II? Or or maybe an invention? Would you say the most significant thing is the invention of cars, the airplane, the internet? What would you say it was? If if you had to pick a third, would would you say it was a period in history, the Industrial Revolution, the Digital Revolution? Did you know that when historians got together to determine the most historic events, the 100 most historic events in the last 1,000 years, do you know what they said the most significant event was? I'll tell you what, I'll give you the first three. The second most significant event, only after the first, which was the invention of Gutenberg's printing press, number two, was the Lutheran Reformation, third only behind Columbus's discovery of the New World. Think about that. The most significant event, second only to the invention of the printing press, is the Lutheran Reformation. What happened during that time? There's a priest, a pastor, a professor from a small town in Wittenberg 
who went to God's word and then went to the church and went to the entire Holy Roman Empire and said, hey guys, let's return to this. Let's return to what scripture says, that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and this, this is found only in Christ alone. This is the significance and ultimately what had the entire world changed. But what do we celebrate here today on the festival of the Lutheran Reformation? What does this matter for us during this time in between? Well, what we celebrate is certainly not the second most important or significant event in terms of world history. What we celebrate is not even even the third most influential man, Martin Luther. No, none of that. What we celebrate, what we commemorate, what we pray to God for today and always in worship is courageous faith. Courageous faith that was shown during that time period, but has shown throughout the history of the world. Courageous faith. Faith that holds unrelentingly to the realization that God's word and God's word alone is truth. And second, is unrelenting and unyielding in taking that before the world to confess it. And to do that, what Christians need, what the church needs at every time and place is courageous faith. The section of God's word that we're looking at this morning is from the Old Testament, from Daniel chapter six. And we're gonna ask two questions. What does courageous faith look like? Where do you get it? Where does someone obtain courageous faith necessary to stand up in the face of persecution of all kinds? The story, it's pretty familiar. It's often told as the story of Daniel and the lion's den. But you know the story, it's not merely about lions. It's also a story about sheep and snakes and doves. Let's look at Daniel chapter 6. It begins this way. It pleased Darius, the king, to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel was so now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. You know, there's something that a lot of children's stories, books, and and depictions of Daniel and the lion's den gets wrong. They show a young man in the den. But did you know that at this time, Daniel was over 80 years old? He was a career politician. Since the time he was a trainer, teenager, he has been training for politics. And he was really, really blessed by God throughout that career. Four kings came and went, but Daniel 
stayed. So here he is at, at really the mountaintop moment in his career. He is so distinguished, recognized for his skill in governance and administration. And the king says, I'm going to put you at number one. Number one, only to me over the entire thing. And he was a foreigner. He, he wasn't even from the place where he ruled. He was an Israelite exile. And so his contemporaries, his, his, his co-workers, if you will, said, oh no, we're not gonna let this happen. You, you can think of them getting together in a room. These guys are, are planning out the smear campaign. They're looking around. They says, all right, who's got something? Who's got some mud that can stick on Daniel? And they start slinging things back and forth, but, but it just won't. Nothing will stick. They sit there quietly, and then finally someone says, you know, I got something is God. Daniel loves his God more than anything else. Now, we're never going to get this guy unless we, we stick it to him there. Wolves. Wolves surrounding Daniel. Jesus, he said it'd be like this. We read it in Matthew's gospel earlier. He said, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. You will be hated by everyone. Why? Because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Throughout the history of the world, even going back to the Old Testament, to, to BC times, this is what we see. People hated. Why? Not because they're good at their jobs. Not not because they do well and get promoted because of their God. You know, we, we hate him because this is the only thing we got on him. And so like a sheep among wolves, Daniel's getting picked apart. So what, what does courageous faith look like though? It looks like a sheep, a sheep that trusts the good shepherd. Because you see it in Daniel, don't you? Of all the persecution going on, of everything that's happening to him over the span of his entire career, getting shipped off, taken into exile, what does he do? He always trusts his God. I mean, it seems crazy, doesn't it, that Jesus would say to you, hey guys, I want you to be my followers. And we say, all right, that sounds good, great. You know, the king of kings. And he goes, oh yeah, by the way, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. What does it mean for us to have courageous faith? Don't be deceived. It does not mean that being a Christian, all of a sudden, everyone's going to love you because you're nice. Being a Christian doesn't mean that, that all of a sudden, people are going to champion your causes and your values because of, well, your faith in Christ. No, Jesus said it's going to be the opposite. People are not going to like you. People are going to reject you, maybe socially, maybe it'll affect your job, and it will happen because of me. And yet, you're not alone. No, what does courageous faith look like? It, it looks like a sheep, a sheep that, that lives at times among wolves, but one that trusts a good shepherd, a good shepherd that is walking with you all of the way continue on in Daniel 6. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, my king Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree 
that anyone who prays to any God or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So, King Darius put the decree in writing. See the snakes. Devious and deceptive snakes. They slither into the king and they say, King, live forever. We, hey, we love you. We got this idea that everyone should worship you. And, you know, why not put it in the rule books? Why not put it down in the laws? It's cunning, isn't it? And you, and you know how the story ends. You, you know it works. But I did that on purpose. I, I called these rulers snakes. Because you know what that means, right? You, that's not a compliment to call someone a snake. It doesn't mean you're honest. It means you're sneaky and you got ulterior motives, which these guys did. So why then does Jesus call you a snake? He says, Here, here's what's happening. I'm going to send you out like sheep among wolves, but don't worry. You got the good shepherd walking with you all the way. So now here's what I want you to be. I want you to be shrewd like a snake. What does that mean? I mean, shrewd, we hear that and we think of a shrewd businessman, someone who has no ethics, no scruples. Is that what we mean here? Is that what Jesus is talking about? Well, certainly not. And that would, well, be a diss on all the shrewd businessmen and women out there. So, so what do we mean? What does Jesus mean here? What does it mean to be shrewd? It means to think. It means to use your head what does it mean to, to be a snake? Well, I'll never forget what one pastor wrote about this biblical illustration. A man from India explained it to him that here's what it means to be a snake. Snakes, they get into whatever they want to get into. They find a way. Snakes think and use their head to get into things. And that's what, that's what Daniel did here. Now, let's just pause for a second and think about Daniel's life and career. Do you think God blessed Daniel with business and leadership and political acumen and, and gave him a mind that could govern diligently? And then every time something bad happened to Daniel, he's like, oh, these guys are, these guys are mean to me here in government. I guess, I guess I'm not going to really apply for that uh, administrator job over the entire kingdom. Is that what Daniel did? No, do you, do you think every time a king, and there were several of them throughout Daniel's career, did something that was not Christian or maybe unethical, Daniel say, ah, you know, I'm, this is too much for me. I'm, I'm just gonna maybe bury my head in the sand and, you know, not be in government anymore. No. What did Daniel do? We know this from scripture, that Daniel used his brain. Daniel used the gifts that God had given him, but he didn't do it for his glory. He did it for God's. He did it for the building up of his kingdom. What does a courageous faith look like? Here's the second one. It's a snake that thinks not for the building up of our kingdom, but for the building up of God's kingdom. So now let me ask you shrewd snakes, what do you do when you receive some challenges to your Christian faith, to the, to the of your values. Do you think? 
Do you use the intellect and the rationale that God has blessed you with in order to think, how can I further his kingdom here? Are you a shrewd snake? Or are you an ostrich? Do you know what ostriches do? I mean, you've, you've probably heard it, right? God's given them the ability to run fast and far. He's given them some really like vicious claws that when animals attack them, but do you know what they do? They're foolish. They're not, sh- they're not thinking. They're, they bury their head in the sand and, and hope the problem just goes away. God says, be as shrewd as snakes, but he also says, be as innocent as doves. This is the next part. Daniel 6 says this, now, When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. This is the word of God so far. I said it, right, that Jesus said to his disciples, be as shrewd as snakes, but also be as innocent as doves. Be both at the exact same time. Shrewd snakes, innocent doves. What does that look like? It looks like listening to God. It looks like doing what God's will is over and above what might be comfortable and convenient. It looks like what Daniel did. There was a law in the land. It said, do not worship anybody else but the king. And what did he do? I'm going to keep on keeping on. I'm going to do what I do every single day. I'm going to worship my God. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to pray to him for help. Shrewd as snake, innocent as a dove. Now, I know you guys are busy people. But let me ask you this. How many of you are serving as the number two to the president of the United States? Any other foreign nations? And yet, do we take time, even one time a day, for our God? To be innocent as doves amid all that you do have going on, to stop and say, you know what, I'm going to give praise and prayer and thanks to my God. Friends, we live in a nation that doesn't have laws like Daniel's nations. We have so much freedom, freedom to celebrate and worship our God whenever and wherever, however loudly you want. We don't need to go to our rooms to give worship and praise to him. But do we we neglect that freedom? The freedom that we have personally and religiously to do that. Do we, do we remain as innocent as doves? What does a courageous faith look like? It looks like a sheep that trusts the good shepherd. It, it looks like a snake that thinks in order to further God's kingdom. And third, it looks like a dove that's innocent, not to preserve one's own glory, but to promote the glory of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's what courageous faith looks like. It looks like these animals, a sheep that trusts his good shepherd, a snake that thinks for the kingdom of God, and finally a dove that, that remains pure, innocent for the glory of God. And there isn't a person in here 
that doesn't want that courageous faith. So now we have to ask the question, how do you get it? How do you get that faith? Here's Daniel chapter six, verse 12. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being, except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, well, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. The king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. Daniel chapter 6, verse 14 says, the king was bothered by this. King Darius was bothered by this, and he made every effort until sundown to save Daniel. That's what the Bible says. Can I tell you something, though? I don't believe it. I mean, I do believe that the king tried hard. I do believe what God's word says, that the king really made every effort in terms of his, you know, political, legal power to see what he could do. But you want to know why I don't believe that? It's because I can think of one more thing that he could have done. I mean, after all, it's his fault. (laughs) King Darius didn't need to pass his law. And he knew it. He knew he was stuck. So you know what he could have done? King Darius could have said, all right, I messed up. My bad. Here's what I'm going to do to save Daniel. I'm going to take his place. I'm going to go to Daniel and all everybody and say, you know what? I made a foolish mistake. I'm going to replace this for him. He doesn't deserve this punishment. I'm going to go into the lion's den and, and suffer that pain and that torture and that death for his sake so he doesn't have to. He could have done that. I mean, He is the king. I mean, he probably could have even came up with another law, put it in the law of the Medes and Persians and done that, but he didn't. Why? Because what kind of king does that? (laughs) I mean, who would would really do something like that? Especially if you're the king. You know. (laughs) You know you know that there is a king who did just that. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. And you want to know where you get courage to live a faith life like Daniel? You get it not from a king, 
but you get it from the line of the tribe of Judah who did the very thing that Daniel needed his king to do. He did it for us. He went into the pit for you. And he did it, by the way, when we were the guilty ones and he was not. He went into the den of lions for you and you know what he did while he was down there? He found that old snake, which is the devil, and he crushed his head. And then he walked over to the other same devil picture that enemy, the devil, the lion that pearls around looking to devour you and he took each one of his teeth out. He defanged him. So now that when you and I look at the power of the devil, death, and all that he throws at us, he can't touch you. He can't touch you because you have a king who went into the den for you, who suffered the pain, the punishment, the torture, the death that, yes, we deserved, but he did it for you. We're asking the question, where do you get the courage to, to have faith like this, a courageous faith that, that lives as a sheep among wolves, that li- lives as a shrewd snake and an innocent dove, comes from a lion. It comes from the lion of the tribe of Judah, who is at the very same time the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It comes from the gospel. Where, where do we get all of our faith? However you describe it, faith comes as a gift. Faith comes from hearing the message, the message about Christ. And here it is in Daniel chapter 6. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night there without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Where do you get a courageous faith? And one thing I want to show you from Scripture, from Daniel, is that you don't get that courage from inside of your own heart. You don't muster it up and through sheer determination decide, I'm going to be brave. It comes from outside of us. That's how all of the gifts we get from our God come. Faith comes from his word. Faith that at once allows us to believe in Christ and trust every one of his promises, to trust in his God. I mean, just compare the two characters here that we have in Daniel 6. We have the king who is anxious, who couldn't even sleep at night, who's so worried he can't even eat. And you have Daniel. Now, I get it. Daniel doesn't actually talk a whole lot in this chapter, and we don't know what his sleeping habit was that night he spent with the lions. But we do know this. Daniel trusted in his God. Where do you get 
courageous faith. It comes from one place. It comes from resting in Christ's rescue. It comes from resting in the rescue that he has given you. How do we phrase that? Well, Romans chapter 3 tells us that righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Where do you get courageous faith? You get it from trusting or believing in Jesus Christ. You get it from knowing beyond a doubt that all of you are justified, declared not guilty. How? Through the redemption, through the rescue that Christ gave to you. Think about how that shakes your world. What do you have to fear if you have on your side one who has given his own life and blood for you to redeem you, to buy you back, to make you his very own? Where do you get courageous faith? It comes from resting in that and standing in it too. We continue on. Listen, listen to what Daniel 6 says. Daniel answered the king. He said, may the king live forever. My God sent his angels. He shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me. Why? Because I was found innocent in his sight. We read Daniel's biography before, didn't we? Exceptional, skilled, no deceit, nothing wrong with him. But you know, Daniel wasn't perfect. Daniel wasn't perfect before God. And we know that because we know people. And we also know what the Bible says. We know that the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And yet we also know what the Bible says about this, that though all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, all are justified freely by his grace. Do you know what that word justified means? That's a standing. That's a declaration. That means God looked at you and he looked at you through the lens of Christ's sacrifice and his grace, his unconditional love for you. And he says, here is who you are. You are innocent. You are not guilty. doesn't matter what you've done or what you've said or what you've thought in your past. This is your standing before me. Check this. God says, you're innocent. Where do you get a courageous faith? To stand in that. Just stand in the standing that you have before your God as someone who is declared innocent because of the blood of the lamb. There's one more. We take a, we take a page from a pagan king. It ends in this way. Daniel chapter six, verse 24. At the king's command, the men who were falsely accusing Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and their children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered. Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. There's a low-key temptation for us who know the story of Daniel in the lion's den. The temptation is to think that, well, if God did that for Daniel, he's going to do it for me. 
That every time I face trouble, challenges, persecution of my faith, he's going to rescue me and I'm going to prosper. But is that what God's word promises? It's just not. We read Jesus' own words to his disciples before who said he's sending you out like like sheep among wolves. You're going to be hated because of me. You're going to have family and friends. I'm promising you this. They're going to turn against you. So what hope? What what comfort do we have? Where, Where do we get courage to stand in the face of that? It's to know that we have nothing to fear except our God. And that's not fear like shaking in the boots, but it's standing in awe and wonder at who he is and what he's given you. Listen to the lips of a pagan king. What does it look like to have courageous faith? How do you get this? It's to simply fear nothing but God, the God who has declared to you these promises endure forever. He is the living God. He does not end. Other kingdoms might rise and fall. Problems that we have in our life that come and persecute our faith, they're going to come and go, but his kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. Stand in it. Rest in his rescue. Rest in the rescue that he's given you. Stand in your salvation, your innocence, the declaration that he has given you of who you are in him. God has given you courageous faith. May God bless you as you take that faith out into our world. Amen.